You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Welcome to Discourse 29 with Sajad Ayyub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skatema. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, sir. Reprogramming ourselves, Ramadan. You describe the function of the fast as something to gain compassion, but also as patience. Can you elaborate on that? Um, I mean, I th- this is, um, I think this is how Allah describes it in Quran too. So this is not great uh, inventiveness on my part, I think, and, and it, it stands to reason. Um, you know, you. Very few people actually on a routine basis experience hunger. Um, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Very few people of privilege, of any kind of privilege, really experience hunger. You know, so how do you actually find out what it's like to not be able to eat? Well, you withhold the food. And so it stands to reason that it will, that the development of compassion, that you, you will cultivate compassion by experiencing the experience, you know? Um, <clears throat> so if you're gonna say there, but for the grace of God go I, in a way that isn't speculative when you're looking at somebody who's poor, poor, then you have to at least know what the experience is like to have discomfort, to have the hunger. So it does make sense that compassion uh, will, is, is the, that you develop compassion by, with fasting. And, and it also makes sense that you will develop patience because you have to, you know, it's like, um, you and I spoke at, at, at uh, uh, that, um, that same platform uh, many years ago in Dubai. Uh, can you remember what the name was? He had a, of the man who spoke about not eating your marshmallow. Can, what was that man's name? Oh, yes. Um, his name was Dr. Joachim Pasoda. That's right. That's right. That's right. He passed, he passed away a few years ago. Oh, really? I wasn't aware of that. Oh. Yes. Yes. So, and his so, daughter. Carry on. And his, and his daughter has taken on his work. And she's now a platform speaker, and it's um, okay. don't eat don't eat your marshmallow, was his book. That's correct. And the That's whole principle, the whole the whole principle about keeping the marshmallow from the child. No, no, and those no. that retain no. those that retain no. the marshmallow are no. the ones that appreciate. Yeah. Well, well, in fact, I, I, the, the, he did. I don't think he did the, the original research. They did actually do psychological research like this. They found that the, the, the earlier children learnt to not act on the basis of what would gratify them immediately, the more successful they became as adults. That was the research. That, that, uh, so it does seem to be that the development of patience, which surely has to mean um, with you know, foregoing the, the outcome that you want uh, in, the, you know, in pursuit of a greater good, this is um, this this is a good skill to develop. This is a thing that adults should do, and actually does account for the success of people. So um, it does make sense that with fasting, you're doing exactly that. I mean, 
they never mind the marshmallow. You're sitting there with a the whole plate of biryani in front of you. And the, you want some food? So I was like, no, 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 I'm fasting. Thank you. <laughs> 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 so it's a good, good quality. It's a, it's a, yeah, it makes sense that uh, fasting okay. with patients. And that it's a, it actually is the ability to, with, to forego what will satisfy you is the first step to learning how to forego outcomes. Uh, and so you, by fasting, you're practicing a critical skill that a human being needs to have in order to succeed at this thing of being human. You know, the ability to not be dominated by my desires, to step outside of my desires and to be deliberate as to whether I'm going to act consistently with them or not. Now you describe goal-directed behavior as an I want this as like a lion on a hunt. But is it actually coming from what sounds like poverty and um, poverty mindset, like mm. one of lack? Mm. Uh, would that be right? I think that is right. I think that is right. I think we do become predatory when we uh, uh, when uh, we are needy. Mm. Um, uh, we're kind of, uh, you know, and it's amazing how this thing translates into uh, one sort of day to day experience of things. So, the worst salespeople mm. are people who are needy of a result. <laughs> you get a salesperson who walks into your office, and this guy desperately needs the sale. He's lost the sale the moment he steps through the door because you see it in his eyes. You know, his, uh, his entire demeanor bespeaks of a predator. And you feel like prey. And what does prey do when there's a predator in the field? Well, we hide away. So he's not going to get the sale. Mm -hmm. And he'll only get the sale if he actually manages to do what clever predators do. He managed to waylay you somehow. But you will always have a regret. You will feel waylaid afterwards. That will not be an enriching transaction, it will be an impoverishing transaction. So what creates that condition? Actually, it's got nothing to do with a good soul. soul. It might actually be something that you really needed. But the transaction is one where you, the value wasn't added to you because the person's demeanor wasn't one that added value. The person was there to take something mm. from you, and that was the experience I was taken from. Mm. You know, so, so, you know, we think that transactions is all about the, you know, the, 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 the products and the money, you know, the negotiation and all. No, 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 no. I mean, a transaction doesn't add value or destroy value in either the, the, the cash or the, or, or the goods. It adds or destroys value in the intent of the people who are in the negotiation, in the transaction. You know, I mean, somebody could, if I get a sense that I've been waylaid in this transaction, even if the thing's useful to me, it'll always be a bit cursed. Because I got screwed over when I got this thing. Mm. Mm. And, um, and so, but if I felt that the person was genuinely interested in me, interested in me and my needs and heard me out and was going, was, 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 was going the extra mile to to provide me with what I needed. They gave me something. They weren't just there to get something out of me. Then that transaction was an enriching transaction. So, 
So, and that's got nothing to do with what they're selling. That's got everything to do with the attitude that they take into the sale. You know, if they come there with a predatory attitude, they really want to get the sale, they want to get something out of me, then um, that, 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 the, the emptiness, the neediness, the, povest, the poverty, the sense of poverty that that transaction comes from spills over into the transaction. It spills over into my experience of the transaction. So I then experience the thing as, a, as an experience of loss, not an experience of gain. So there's a whole inner game to sales, you see, which I think people have miss. Uh, um, there's um, that uh, it's not just about the goods, and it's not just about. It doesn't matter how good the goods are, and it doesn't matter how you know how strong the negotiations are. There's a whole issue of intent that sits behind that makes for the difference between impoverishing and enriching transactions. The sales whisperer. <laughs> well, not that I'm particularly good at it. I mean, if I, I would have been far more successful if I had been. But sometimes, you know, if you really find, if you really want to find out about getting things, do how to do things right, uh, speak to somebody who's failed a lot. Absolutely. You describe beauty and majesty in terms like the deer and the lion. <clears throat> it sounds that as if you're saying that our natural state is that of a deer. And why is it that all monarchies like to show themselves as the lions? Hmm. Or the eagles or something predatory. Yes. No. Or the dragon. Not, not, not the ox. <laughs> or the sheep. Or the sheep. <laughs> 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 what you call me a sheep <laughs> yeah no that is interesting well it's true because the the sheeple sheep people sheep yeah. people right 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 yeah so um i do this i mean one can one can kind of have a bit of a speculative and i think it's interesting to do the speculation so that you know how is it that um I mean, our, our, when we become predators, we, we no longer collaborate, collaborate right? because we're, we're not competing. You know, I want something from you. You're going to lose and I'm going to win. Mm. You know, so that's when I'm being a predator. Mm. That's not our primary condition, actually. That's not where we started as a species, because as a species, we started as hunter-gatherers who really understood collaboration. If you don't collaborate with your mates, you can't survive. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. our earliest hunting methods were persistent hunting methods. You ran your prey down and you ran in a, as a group. You basically mm -hmm. exhausted your prey, you know? So we, we understood collaboration very well in the beginning. And we learned how to collaborate. And uh, although we were hunters, I mean, we still fundamentally, we've got eyes in the front of our heads. Our, our relationship with our fellow man was not predatory. It was collaborative. We worked together with. But then we discovered agriculture. 
and uh, agriculture produced the possibility of surpluses. And that introduced this whole issue of, well, who controls the surplus? So then we have a whole class of people who don't look at the wild animals out there as prey. You, the guy who's growing the, you, the, guy who's growing the wheat, you're the prey. I'm going to get my goods off you. And how do I do that? Well, I predate you. And how do I, so, and what legitimizes that is I become the lion to you, the sheep. You become the prey, prey animal. So, so, so there's what complex societies have done or did when we moved into agriculture and beyond is that they created leather, leisure classes that actually lived off the endeavors of others. Mm. You know? And that's why they claim for themselves this, uh, I mean, it's unashamedly the, uh, mm. the, um, the, the, metaphor of 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 predation you know um uh the 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 lion of judah the lion of this the lion of that i mean this kind of like uh um it's uh it's uh, it's, it's quite a shocker actually it's you know it's uh and and so i and i do hope that we've now gone to a level of complexity in society where that's no longer sustainable, actually, because, you know, the, the world, the, the people, the intelligence is so widely spread, you can't dominate anymore, you've got to collaborate. So I think there's a reinvention of the human condition possible in this age uh, uh, that I, I look forward to. And I think all these predatory hierarchies of the past really have, hopefully, inshallah, have seen their day. And there's a, another chapter that will be possible for the, for the species now which is again us learning to work together, learning how to use these long forgotten skills of, of how to use receptive attention, how to get the world to dance with us and not to us to dominate the world and dominate others. Mm. Yeah. Mm. At the end of this discourse, you talk about Surah Al-Asr. Um, by time, apparently man is in the state of lost except those who believe and those who do not, those who do good deeds and encourage others to the truth and encourage others to patience. I'm sure we can spend a few programs just simply discussing this. Ayah. And you relate this to patience and fasting. Mm. So this ayah is, uh, is chilling news for people of a predatory mindset because what it is saying is that listen all of the scheming that you're doing to get what you want from life is is futile in the fullness of time just sit back and think logically through how this is going to end it will end in tears everything that you own is going to be owned by somebody else and at that very soon at the end of the day, you aren't going to be sitting in your elevated status commanding. You are going to be the hunk of meat that people are dragging through town to put into a hole on the outside of the cemetery. I mean, that's you're going to be the commanded. This is your truth. In the fullness of time, you're not here to dominate. You're not here to, to triumph. You're here to be, to be vanquished. That is the truth, you know. And um, if you just stop there, 
well, that's quite a shocking prospect. But then he says, ah, hold on, hold on. It's not, not quite as dark as this. What, what, what does that mean? What is, so, so we can say faith, you know, um, uh, uh, and, and what does faith means? No, no, but I, there is a, there is a Lord of, uh, there's a custodial Lord who's in charge of this whole thing, who makes it work. I don't have to make it work. So while I think I'm the one who's making it work, failure is a foregone conclusion. But when I recognize that it works, then, then, um, then, then, and it works in my favor, then I don't have to do the work. You see, it, 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 it's, it's, then, then, so, so that, that experience of the sort of the heart-rending depression that, uh, uh, my life is, but I, no, no wonder my life doesn't, isn't going to work because it's not meant to work. I, well, well, it's not meant for me to make it work. You know, I mean, it, it works. In other words, I'm not here to fix things. I'm here to witness that they work. Mm. Uh, um, but now the issue is, Arab insists that you, you put your money where your mouth is with this matter. Because it's one thing saying that I, um, uh, I, I believe that life will bounce in my favor. I can, you know, it'll work. I don't have to manage the outcome. And then act in a way which means you are trying to, uh, uh, you know, pursue your interests. Mm. I mean, so <clears throat> a very good example of the righteous act is, is honesty. I mean, you know, what I mean by honesty is honesty in, in communication. So if you investigate this issue, so what does honesty mean? The first thing that comes to mind is truthfulness. I mean, a person who's honest will be truthful. You know, that, mm. uh, that makes sense. I mean, that, uh, but let's say, for instance, I ask you, uh, where were you born? Where were you born, by the way? I was born in Reading, Reading in Berkshire. In Reading? Oh, oh, not in Pakistan. I thought uh, you said, you was, okay, anyhow, okay, so you were born yeah. in Reading. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I asked you where were you born, and you say you were born in Reading. You're speaking the truth about where you're born. Yeah. Does that mean you're an honest man? Absolutely. I don't think it means you're an honest man at all. I, I doesn't because what harm is it to you to speak the truth about where you're born? I don't have an immense prejudice against people who are born in Reading. But if I asked you about I could, something, sorry, I could be born in Pakistan as well. By the way, you could have been born in Pakistan. Okay, that's fine. But you weren't. You were born in Ring. I accept that you were born. In <laughs> but if you, if you, the point I'm trying to make is that you don't demonstrate somebody is honest when they speak the truth. When it is in the when it's not when 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 it's no harm to them to speak the truth. Hmm. But if I ask you about something that could potentially harm your own interests, and you still speak the truth. Hmm. Have you now demonstrated, you know, in other words, you only demonstrate that you're an honest person when you stay honest, when it is not in your interest to be honest. Right, agree. Which means to say truthful of honest people, honest people are, mm. in a sense, stupid people. Because they don't do what's, what's going to work. They don't do what's expedient. Mm. You see, if, if I ask you about something that might harm your interests and you, you lie, 
you're basically trying to manage the outcome here. You're doing what's expedient to make sure you get the outcome that you want. But if you're saying, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to speak the truth, then, then you're basically doing what is right and not what is expedient. So to do what is right, you know, the, the, the righteous act means to forego the expedient act. It means mm -hmm. to forego doing the thing that is in your interest. So how do you demonstrate both to yourself and to the world that you really believe that there's a custodial charge in, 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 in custodial lord in charge of your life that makes things work? You act in a way which you demonstrate that you are willing to do things that aren't going to work for you. So without the righteous act, your claim to faith is nonsense. Your claim to saying, I trust that there's a guardian in charge of my life is nonsense if you don't act in ways which demonstrate that you can forego outcomes that would be in your interest. You only know somebody is an honest person when they stay honest, when they speak the truth, when it is not in their interest to do so. Hmm. They, so so there's the, the, um, the, 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 the binary opposite here is, is uh, uh, the righteous act as opposed to the expedient act. Yeah. What works as to opposed to what's right, and very often in the immediacy, what works is the opposite of what's right. If this was not the case, you wouldn't have uh, uh, corruption in government. Yeah. We know that you shouldn't uh, take money for favors, and yet people do. Why? Because they think they're better at working out what's good for them than what Allah is. I'm not going, you know, I've been entrusted with this, but I, I can't contrary to the trust because if I don't look after myself, who's going to look after me? Right. Thank, thank you for that. You related an interesting idea from the Guinea language. Mm -hmm. As you explained, can you explain this to our English speaking audience? So, so in the on the eastern seaboard of southern Africa, you get, uh, well, actually, of South Africa, you get a family of languages called Nguni languages, um, uh, Nguni. And that includes um, uh, coming from south to north, uh, the Tosa language. The, you know, the Tosa mm. people is what uh, Madiba, uh, Nelson Mandela, he was from that tribe. And then coming further north, you have the Zulus, the famous Zulus of military martial fame and then going north to that you have uh the what we would call the swazis the, uh, the swatis these are along the, the eastern seaboard and then there's been sort of stragglers of these various uh these main groups that have ended up on the plateau over time so that body of languages you call them guni languages the uh so is in zulu for example the 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 word for belief is Ugutemba. Hmm. Now, it means two things. You can use the same word for two different things. You can use Ugutemba means I believe, or Ugutemba means I trust. Hmm. So trust and belief are related things. So to say that I believe, and then not to trust that things will be well, is basically a contradiction in terms. You can't be a person of, 
of 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 uh, uh, poor trust in life and claim to be a believer. Trust hmm. and belief are related. Hmm. Right. So um, uh, uh, I think that's very important for one to understand this. And, the, and, and what's also apparent is that, that the uh, that trust in this sense is a forward looking thing. Um, uh, you know, I trust things will go well. If you aren't looking back at life in a spirit of gratitude, your trust is nonsense. Mm-hmm. If you can't bear witness to yourself, first witness, because you, you know, if a man who bears witness to what he hasn't witnessed, we call that person a liar. And uh, you know, so you feel, you know, there's like the shahada is nonsense unless you're witnessing that you know, there is no God but Him. Uh, yeah. You can't make the profession and not, you know. So are you seeing this? You know, or are you trying to be in charge of your life? Anyhow, so if you look back at your life and you see, you start finding what there is to be grateful for then you put yourself in the position to look forward and to trust that things will go well. So, so actually, this is all rooted, Ugutemba, trust, belief, is all rooted in a different kind of work. And that, that work is to see how life has actually worked in your favor, despite your ingenuity, not because of your ingenuity. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Thank you very much for that. And we look forward to joining us on Discourse 30. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etsko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz from us all.